0: Oh, well, welcome back, you absolute legends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Need to Read. I'm your host, Ed Cunningham, and this week I'm joined by Adam Lind, who's an extremely interesting individual who just so happens to live on a narrow boat. But that is not the most interesting thing about him. He has experienced so much in his life, from attempting to hitchhike to India, getting all the way to Iran, going on naked retreats, joining the circus. The depth to his story is Incredible. I'm really excited for you to listen to this podcast. Before we get into it, just a quick word from the sponsors of the show. Now, the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world. Therapy has been a key part of my personal development, especially when things seem to feel a little bit more awkward to carry. A therapist can help you rejig it and just allow you to carry your life in a little bit of an easier way. If you yourself are finding things a little bit awkward or a little bit heavy to carry at the moment, then I cannot stress enough, speaking to a counsellor, a professional, will be one of the best things you ever do. Don't just take my word for it, you will get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp online counselling by heading to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read. Go through a quick questionnaire on there and you'll be matched with a therapist within 48 hours of completing that questionnaire. So if you feel like it's time for you to feel a little bit better, then head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read. And as well as that, just before we get into the main bulk of the episode... We have another sponsor on a need to read. I know I'm wasting so much of your time talking about these other companies. It's getting boring now, but just listen in. If your brain is not being nourished properly, it could be holding you back in terms of your sleep, anxiety, and focus. Heights have the solution to that problem. If you want to check out their brain care supplement, head to the link in the description. Use code need to read for 10% off of any subscriptions. And guess what? That'll make it. Just over £1 a day to feel like a better version of yourself. Which is kind of ideal really when you just consider you have to take a couple of pills, spend about 30 quid a month and you get to feel a bit better. So if you want to add it to your current brain care routine, the link is in the description. Now, just before we get into the episode, I know I've said that enough times, but... Thank you so much for bearing with me recently. I've just been going through a little bit of stuff um, with my mental health, and that is on the way up, which is positive. So thanks for bearing with me. Full operations will be running again soon. But for now, just enjoy the conversation I had with Adam. I certainly did, and I'm pretty sure you will too. Well, Adam... (laughs) Welcome to an E3, thank you very much for making the journey here today, back into the big smoke.
1: Back in the big city, yeah. It's something I love about being back in London, like I was telling you I grew up here, and there's something about the energy of London in the morning, which I feel like comes from a tourist point of view, because you're like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, park London is, this place sucks <laughs> but yeah I don't know there's so when you live in the middle of nowhere to come back into the city there's something magical about it
0: yeah and I bet you'll feel the exact same when you go back home yeah. like later are you going back home later today
1: I think I'm going to meet some friends later and stay in London for the yeah. night make a, make a holiday of it Yeah, give my partner a break from me for <laughs> <a night.
0: laughs> nice well obviously we're talking about you're going back to the country let's, let's talk about where you live because it's quite an interesting an interesting living arrangement that you've got um, you live on a river
1: I live on a canal. <laughs> on a canal, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sometimes on a river. Yeah, I live on a narrow boat. Live on a fifty-nine foot narrow boat. Um, yeah, I love it. It's been kind of a long journey to get there, and how I ended up there, which I'm sure we're going to go through. Mm. But yeah, boat life's amazing. It's we were really searching, I guess, for a sense of community. Yeah, And a sense of, um, we've got really nomadic tendencies, my partner and I, because we travelled for many years. Yeah. And it was trying to find that balance of having a base and like our safe space, which we didn't have for years when we travelled, because it was yeah. living at our backpacks and being hosted, but also being able to move. Yeah. And then the boat came up and it was like, wow, we can literally have the balance of what we were looking for. So it felt very synchronistic when it came to fruition. Yeah,
0: that's cool. And you say like a, a sense of community. But obviously you're moving about all the time. Is it that you're seeing the same faces sort of all the time or everyone kind of has to move at the same time? I wouldn't
1: say it's the same faces. I'd say it's like, I was explaining to someone the other day, it's the common denominator that you live on a boat, so you kind of have this level of understanding. And what I like is I've been amongst communities before where maybe the common denominator was everyone likes the same kind of music or the same kind of spiritual belief. But this is like, everyone's so different. Like the guy next to me at the moment is a punk. Like We don't listen to the same music. We don't dress the same but we're in the same community because we have the same vessel and yeah. we understand things about engines and toilets and things. So it's, <laughs> it's that sense of community that that you have on the canals.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think and sense of community is such an important thing. And I think that's one reason why I actually don't really like London mm. is that I don't really feel like I have a community here. I feel like, I, like I've got jujitsu. I haven't been there for like a month. Got a little bit sad last week because I was like, I was searching for why. And I think it is because there's a lack of community. And Mm. I know it's all about books. We love and need to read. We love books. (laughs) Like Lost Connections by Johan Hari. I don't know if you've... I know Johan
1: Hari, but I haven't read that book. Yeah, he's all
0: about like connection to community and how Mm. that is so important to give like meaning to your life and all of these different things that just are the building blocks to your mental health and just how happy you are, essentially.
1: Definitely. When when I was looking back, when when we came back to the UK, I'm sure we'll go into our travels in a minute, I was thinking like, when are the times I've been my happiest? Ironically, both those times were a time where I didn't have a phone. One was being uh, when I studied in an ashram in India for a month. And one being when I joined this community called the Rainbow Family, which is basically, they set up temporary off-grid communities in nature. So you live for a month. And you build a community and you go for one moon cycle and like no, no electricity, you cook everything on a fire. No one is actually like running it. There's no tickets. You just find your way there through other people in like the rainbow family they're called. And again, like both of these, yeah, it's kind this of another wild again. <laughs> There's um, both those times are the happiest times of my life, and I realized that one, I was in community, and two, I didn't have a phone. Mm. Fast forward to today, I'm like a slave to my phone again. So this is nothing coming like that. I've yeah. cracked you know, we we have to learn the same lessons again and again, and remind ourselves of these moments to then shift back into, like you say, living in a city. I don't even live in a city, but based on what I do, like with social media and my job, it's so easy just to become bogged down in. Yeah, the phone or media or, or something that isn't real life, real people, you know? Yeah. And there's, yeah, my happiest times have always been surrounded by people.
0: That's mad that there was like just a just a month in, in the woods. Because like that sounds super, super cool. But I bet, was it quite tough to have that kind of digital <laughs> detox?
1: It was, um, I'll give a bit of context if you want. So my partner and I, we've been together about eight years. Mm. We met at university And when we finished university, we decided we were going to travel because neither of us really wanted to get a job. We weren't really...
0: I understand that. Yeah. We
1: weren't sure what we wanted to do, basically. (laughs) We wanted to buy some more time. So she suggested traveling. We were going to travel to like Australia or Thailand or Bali or one of these places. And I was looking at the map and I was a bit like, but the world, like, we're going to miss so much between here and Australia. I couldn't understand why we were going to go so far. So we set this journey to travel by land, partly environmental, partly for the challenge and... I love people. Like I love. I feel like I'm always studying anthropology just by like living day to day. Yeah. And we decided we were going to try and hitchhike from London to India. We got as far as Iran. We didn't end up getting I to know, India, I, but that's I, like, another story. I wouldn't I wouldn't class
0: it as a failure. <laughs> I class it as, but that
1: was another amazing task. You know, we'd been on the road. I think for like. Four three and a half years by the time we like crossed the whole of Turkey and got to the Iranian border and we were knackered like we we needed a shift and we were a bit lost in this cycle of but this is our challenge you know the challenge was get to India yeah and there was a really beautiful lesson there about you know your your goal can change like we'd achieved so much that the kind of goal didn't really matter anymore like we'd had years of experiences with the most like insane cultures and people I'm kind of digressing hey, but this is, it's <laughs> fine but let's go back so my after we'd been a traveling a couple of years we were in austria and my partner decided she she'd always wanted to learn french yeah so she went to france for three months to become an au pair and learn french and i was a bit like what am i gonna do like da, 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 da. so i hitchhiked down to portugal and met this guy who was going to this thing called a rainbow gathering and i didn't really know what it was and i was like okay let's go and i arrive. And the first thing I remember is like three or four naked people like running to me and hugging me and being like, welcome home, brother. And I remember my first thought being like, where the fuck am I? (laughs) Like, I'd never been exposed to anything like this before. Like fast forward now, like I am one of these naked people that runs around the forest hugging people, but it was so far removed from how I'd been brought up in London that I was like, first of all, it brings up so much in yourself, like, you have like first of all you think the people are strange then you realize they're beautiful people and you're like wow like i could never do this you know like i remember thinking day by day getting more used to it. it's not like you have to be naked but it's really hot and you're living in nature and there's rivers to bathe in so like naturally and it's in no way it's like freedom of expression it's not in a sexual way at all which is a whole nother condition thing we're brought up to believe you know nudity means sex yeah um and I remember thinking, like, yeah, yeah, this is all great, but never will you like never will I be walking around here naked. And then like after yeah. you're there a week, here I am, like rolling around the river. And it's like these people just welcomed me and allowed me to face things in myself. I've always had some insecurities that I've worked with. Like, for example, when I was about 18, I was going bald on my head. Yeah. And I used to be insecure about things like a hair on my back and like all these kind of things that would just subtly be there that you're bred in society to believe are yeah. a problem. And I remember like thinking one day I'd maybe learn to accept them but I'd never maybe overcome them and yeah. just from living with this community for a month through different things like sharing circles and angel walks and all these kind of different workshops and stuff you do there and making music and just having the most pure conversations with these people I overcame like basically all of my insecurities and it's not That's saying that everyone has to go and you know, live in the forest naked to reach this stage. But I think the main point that led me to that was just vulnerability, like being vulnerable in yourself. I'm doing a lot more work at the moment just with men, like men's circles, where we we sit there and we just discuss a topic recently was anger or rage. And like, you feel all this stuff that's come up in you from when you were a child, usually, maybe things that happen with your father, things that happen with friends. And it can be these small triggers that really really yeah still manifesting themselves today and you don't understand why yeah. and um yeah vulnerability is is really key that
0: is fascinating
1: yeah I, I don't know how we got to that point no, from there, no, but yeah. I, no I do I think
0: that's fascinating and, and I'm kind of similar in a way that like I've been quite insecure over the last maybe three four years about like my hairline because like my hairline was going back and I was part of a friendship group where like that was the banter mm. and I was like this banter is hurting my feelings <laughs> you can't say it <laughs> it's like, say oh, it. yeah Stop being a- um and like I got to the point like last year I just shaved my head because I, like, I need to I need to accept this mm-hmm. and I need to go beyond accepting it and to like be like yeah well this is part of me like and I like it which is really difficult and that's a whole nother subject it's massively like, difficult um, yeah
1: it's not also not spoken about like I love sitting here with another guy and being like yeah I didn't like I was going bald and you'll be like yeah I didn't like my hairline was going but yeah we sometimes express this as masculine in the masculine form as banter which isn't a problem But I feel like there needs to be more space also for like the feminine side of males to come out to be able to be like look I'm actually like it's actually
0: (laughs) this hurts my feelings it hurts me yeah (laughs)
1: because like it happens to everyone but no one speaks about it yeah and we're silenced in that way sometimes so I'm lucky enough to now like my mentor and a lot of the guys i associated with also massively for me it's a lot about balancing your feminine and masculine so my mentor he's like amazing at jujitsu and break dancing and like bodybuilding but also Sick. like massively into like the feminine side of being emotional yeah and every man and every woman has a feminine and masculine it's like the yin and the yang balance yeah but obviously conditioned and not to always blame society for stuff but you're meant to f- you're made to feel like you're meant to act a certain way yeah and i think the more we try and tap in Like I've actually, I was raised by two women. I was raised by my mum and sister. Um, And I've always been quite in touch with my feminine, like quite open to talk about feelings and stuff like that. And I'm now actually trying to move more into my masculine, like doing more things Mm -hmm. like jujitsu and stuff like this and anger and rage. And cause these things can be healthy as well. Get angry. Get Get angry, literally. (laughs) The other week I went to the most amazing men's circle And like we were asked, like offered to express our rage. And it was something I'd never really felt like I knew how to do before. And there's like 20 of us in a circle and this guy's drumming. And they're like, we'd all shared already about whatever. And it was all feeling quite like a vulnerable space. And he was like, now like we've built up all this energy. Let's just let it out. And like a couple of guys would go in the middle and just start like letting it out one at a time. And I was like, shall I go? Shall I not? Shall I go? And I could feel my friend opposite me kind of looking at me like Mm. he wasn't saying anything, but I could feel like he was saying, you need this, like do it. And I jump in the middle and I like get to my knees and I'm just punching the ground. Like my hands were bleeding after and I'm like oh. roaring from my stomach in a way that I feel like I've never roared, like ever. Yeah. And then after it, like basically like broke down. Like I'd released something that I don't even know what was pent up inside of me. And it's 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 yeah. situations like this. That's healthy anger in this safe container. And I'm angry for a reason. Yeah. And things amazing. like this when I'm telling my friends, they're like, Whoa, like what crazy shit have you been going to? I'm like, but it's so healthy, yeah. but it's so unrecognised in society, maybe.
0: No, I feel like that is definitely needed. I had a lot of like anger issues when I was a kid. Like I was very, very bad at expressing it. And I think still like rage now I have more controlled mm-hmm. and I can't really let it out. So yeah. maybe something like that would be quite good. Like I, I competed at Jiu Jitsu this weekend told no one about it because I lost in the first round. And I've, for the whole, that like, last week I was quite sad. So for the whole three, four days running up to the competition, I was so anxious. I was shitting myself. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to like do well. I wasn't prepared enough. Like I hadn't trained for a few weeks. when well, my fingers is a little bit broken, but it's only a finger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because I'm a bloke. Sorry, your finger, it's only a finger, mate. finger and the little one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but, like, I was I was genuinely scared and I hadn't felt, like, proper fear for a very, very long time. Mm. And I went out on the mats and I just went out to survive as opposed to attack. And I was so disappointed in myself. And, like, as soon as I lost, like, I just said to my girlfriend, I was like, let's get out of here, like, now. Wow. And, like... And why do you think that was? Because you... Because leading up to
1: it, you hadn't had time to really process how you were feeling or, or um, deliver uh, how you were feeling?
0: I had, like, struggled all week... Just in general, so like the fear of the jiu-jitsu competition was kind of like the last thing that I wanted to think of, I was thinking Mm. like, because I I have a propensity to be a proper prick to myself, okay. which is it's never a good thing, like I should be kind to myself, like I can acknowledge that I do good things and I'm like good to people, but then also the time I'm like, that's not good enough, this isn't good enough, this isn't good enough, and I was just stuck in that zone all week, got to the point of the competition, I was just, I was just paralysed by the whole fear thing. Wow, that's
1: interesting. Sucked. Yeah, it does. It's like kind of reminds me of I, I've been working a lot at the moment with intrusive thoughts, if mm. you know what they are.
0: Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I'm good friends with those boys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like how everyone has intrusive thoughts and like this whole kind of journey came about because I do obviously like the blogging and stuff on Instagram. And I've suffered with intrusive thoughts since I was really young. And they used to like, they can manifest in ways, like you said, like you're not good enough. They can also manifest in strange ways. Like the example I gave recently at a talk I did, like when I was younger, I remember being in the car with my family and being on the motorway and feeling like, oh, what would happen if I just opened this car door, you know? Okay. And it's like, I don't want to open the car door, but my mind's like asking me that. And then it could change to like being on a train platform. and not being suicidal, not wanting to kill myself, but being like, what would happen if I just threw myself in front of this train? And I started to remember having these intrusive thoughts when I was young, because I'd had one about myself and I put something on my Instagram like, Oh, I'm today. I'm having these intrusive thoughts, blah, blah, blah. Literally, went had lunch, came back to my phone. I had over like two hundred messages, which isn't normal. Of people being like, "Oh my god, like I've had these right. thoughts. Like I can't believe you're bringing this up. Like I've always thought I was crazy." And that when I did a, <laughs> I did a talk last week at a festival about mindset and stuff because this is the space I'm moving into now. And I gave these examples, and I could like one guy started crying on the spot, and this woman was like, "Oh my god, that's so spooky." And I'm like, "It's actually not spooky. It's mm. very normal." But just by me being vulnerable, again, going back to vulnerability, yeah. it's allowed you to feel accepted because we don't speak about these things. Yeah. And similar maybe to yourself, like even speaking to people, like I'm telling myself today that I'm shit and I'm not going to yeah. be good at jujitsu. It's like getting it out. It's like, it helps so much.
0: Yeah. I I've, I can relate to that so much. Cause I, I did a podcast about, it was when I was living in Bali and it was when everyone had kind of gone into lockdown and I was like, how can I help people back home? And I was like, right, mental health and lockdown, let's just talk about it. And it was mm-hmm. just me talking about my mental health and what I do to like help with it. And I spoke about my intrusive thoughts, about like sometimes like when I was in Bali, especially I'd be on my moped and I'd be like looking at the side of the road and I think, well, I mean, that. But <laughs> like I would never actually do it, yeah. but I kept thinking of it. And and when I feel sad, like I get intrusive thoughts just come thick and fast. Mm-hmm. And it's always around the like, the kind of suicide, death kind of thing yeah. but it's not that I actually want to do it because like I, like I was saying to my flatmate the day I was like mate why would I do that like what are you going to do come and find me in my office full of books like you're going to have to sell all my nice books and stuff I was like I'm not doing that like because I genuinely yeah. don't want to I'm not that depressed yeah. but like I'll have the intrusive thoughts and and it's crazy but so many people message me after that, that like that, oh, I do that all the time and my therapist as well She um, she said to me about intrusive thoughts like going up from, like, on on a um, train platform, like you said. So it's very, very common. And I think there's something about your therapist telling you that they're also... Normal. Crazy. Normal. Uh, okay. <laughs> telling you they're
1: crazy or telling you they're normal? Normal, okay. essentially,
0: but you think it's crazy. So, yeah. So, like, about your therapist normalising a behaviour that you think is weird. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's, like, the best like, and most relieving feeling ever. Because you're like, wait, you... You think like that too. <laughs> and but that holds the, you in yeah. such high esteem.
1: <laughs> that's the thing. And that's why now, like, I'm now training to be a mindset coach because I'm so passionate about the mind. Because, like, for years, like, now I feel like I'm quite in control. But for so many yeah. years, I was a slave to my mind. Like, literally, if it wasn't intrusive thoughts, I had massive death anxiety. And it's really common that intrusive thoughts are also related to death. Like yeah. that's how a lot of people have them. Mm. But I like remember being really young and always I'd lost all my grandparents and an uncle quite young. Mm. So, so death was life? quite prevalent. And it's like, um, it's life, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they're, it's, they're all teachers to me now, but it's like, I think being that young and like, even just remember question like, but where are they? Like, okay, they're dead, but I asked my mom, yeah, but where are they? You know? Yeah. And I've always had quite like an inquisitive mind. And, When I was seventeen, I lost my father. He was an alcoholic, and it was a long, crazy road. And eventually, we admitted him into hospital because he developed agoraphobia, and he just had no quality of life. And because his body was so weak, he caught an illness in the hospital, and it killed him. Wow. And
0: sorry to say that. Yeah. Again, you're gonna say that's life, but like that—that must have been difficult. It was
1: difficult, but like the beauty of it is now is I actually look back on it as one of the most beneficial experiences of my life because it was that that healed my mind because basically I remember for weeks later I'd be like lying in bed and I'd be crying and crying and crying and it got to one day and I was just like you can't do this anymore like you know you have to do something about this and I was like let's for a moment stop thinking about the fact your dad's dead and let's imagine you're lying on a beach with your friends having a beer and I remember literally lying there putting myself in that position of my body and I could literally feel my body change I was Mm -hmm. like I could feel it relaxed I could feel a smile coming on my face and I kind of like came out of it after a few minutes and I was like whoa like I feel like I just entered like a parallel state yeah and I was running around to everyone I was like guys like did you know that like if you think positive (laughs) thoughts like you can be happy and like no one was listening to me and I was like no no guys like positivity is the key to happiness. Like I'd coined this yeah. phrase, how I thought I was 17 at the time, yeah. running around like a blue ass flyer, trying to get everyone to listen to me. Didn't feel like anyone was. So I got it tattooed on my arm. Like positivity is the key Just to happiness, forget. which is crazy. Cause now fast forward in, and I say this often, I don't actually necessarily believe that a positive mindset is a key to happiness, but what it did teach me was I was the one in control. Mm. And it was the first time I'd realized that like, I have control of the thoughts that go on in my head. And this led mm. to me, basically getting into this mindset work and trying to teach people that like we often see the mind as us but actually the mind is just another muscle right yeah so like the muscles in my arms and the muscles in my legs those muscles need training right and because these are tangible muscles we can go to the gym and we can work on these muscles and we can see them grow and we know they need rest and we know they need stimulation but the mind muscle in your head you can't see it and it's so easy to be lost in this cycle of the I am my mind so that what yeah. I started to do was I started to become the observer. It's often spoke about in the yeah, yeah. book that I say saved my life, which is the power of now. Yeah. You know, And he's like, once you start with the intrusive thoughts, okay, I'm, I think I'm shit at jujitsu or whatever it is, or yeah. I want to throw myself in front of this train platform. If you literally say to yourself, hold on, that's not me talking, that's my mind, and you literally separate yourself from that, it becomes so much easier to control them and it's a process and yeah. it takes time. But like we did this thing at a festival a couple of weeks ago where we all named our minds to so say like my mind was called Jimmy and it's like, oh, Jimmy's doing that thing again. Like not now, mate. Yeah. And it's like, it sounds silly and really simple, but it can be that simple. And with practice, you can then choose the thoughts that serve you and you want to let grow. And the thoughts you want to be like, Jimmy, not today, mate. And they disappear.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I've been thinking about that quite a lot, obviously over the last week. And I feel like, of course, you you can't control like some of the thoughts that come up and and they suck. But when you're aware of that, it's sometimes like worse than what it was before you mm. were aware because you're like, I like, why are you doing this to me, brain? Like Pete, whatever, Jimmy, whoever the mm. brain, or whatever we call it, it's like, why are you throwing these thoughts up at me? Like everything is actually all right, and you're just trying to make it worse. Mm. Why are you doing this? And then you instantly like if you're one of the people that catastrophizes like me um (laughs) right so you're obviously schizophrenic then because you're having these arguments within your mind Mm. (laughs) and this is you know like i've read something recently and it's like
1: you're when you use the mind to control the mind it's like you're kind of in this loop pattern of like you're using you're using the problem to solve the problem yeah so it's like for me i'm it's like sometimes just trying to come back into presence and it's like whatever thought i'm having like normally I can look at right now and be like, right now, everything is perfect. Like in this physical second that yeah. I'm living in right now, right? So any of the issues or thoughts I'm having are usually something I'm projecting that might happen in the future, which is un unplanned, might not happen reality or dwelling on something that happened in the past. Yeah. And it's like, I know these things are spoke about a lot and it's sometimes it's easier said than done, but it can be so true. Like, yeah. I like this thing of like changing your physiology can change your state. So like I spoke about lying on the bed, with the whole beer thing like if you start to acknowledge like when you feel most confident like if you finished a jujitsu match and you've won or you've just done a successful podcast your body will be in a certain way your breathing will be in a certain way if you start to like remember that and then when you have these anxious thoughts physically change your body movement you'd be so surprised how much even your physiology can change your state and i think for me it's about just like attaining more and more of these really simple tools like breathing dropping my shoulders telling my mind this isn't right right now and it's like it can be that simple and it's a practice but the more tools you put in your toolbox the more ways you have to come out of these kind of thought patterns
0: yeah for sure I was listening to a podcast the other day with um, Andrew Huberman have you heard of him well he was on Joe Rogan the other day he was like my god my yeah he is Joe Rogan, or the Joe, Joe Rogan is is my version guy. of God, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Andrew Huberman's podcast is—he's a neuroscientist and he's talking about stress. And obviously, between like your throat and your navel is like all of your polyvagal nerves that make it, when you're feeling stressed or anxious, they tighten up. They make you feel a lot heavier there. Mm. They're the things that send the signal down to your legs to get let like your like um, arteries to expand so that more blood gets down into your legs. And he said the best way to get rid of acute stress is just, like, two short breaths in and a long breath out. And if you do that, like, ten times, because people say, like, oh, just focus on, like, a long breath in a long breath out. That's actually not good for you because that will speed up your heart rate. So it's, okay. like... <sighs> <sighs> nice. So that first breath is, like, you're just opening up the lungs a little bit. And that second breath, um, because when you're stressed, your bronchial or the aeoli in your lungs, like... Guys, I'm not a neuroscientist or or, a a biologist. (laughs) I've battered my lungs for years. Don't just just take this advice as. Do your own research, right? (laughs) People love doing that nowadays. Um, But basically, your bronchial will hold on to some of the carbon dioxide um, that's in your lungs, which like collapses the little air sacs. So that second breath opens them back up again, and then you can, and then you breathe out slowly which brings your diaphragm up, which slows your heart rate down. Mm. And it's just like, if you do that three to five times, your state will just come back to a little bit more of a normal, less stressed mm. state. And it's just like p- people learning little tools like that, that like you're saying about like our, your body language and, and sort of the way that you hold yourself and the way that you're thinking. Like There are so many of these different tools out there. There are, I mean, and no one fucking... Teaches anyone anything or this is for me
1: sometimes the problem with like um like wellness has become so fashionable right like meditation is so fashionable you've got all these amazing apps like i'm not bashing them at all but like and you've got like yoga is so mainstream and like spirituality and it's amazing but unfortunately it even leaves people to believe like have you heard of the term spiritual bypassing So it's like really common where like, basically you're being sold something on the basis. It's going to make you feel better. Like spirituality has basically become capitalist, which is great (laughs) because more people are aware of meditation, but it then includes a lot of resistance and a lot of making things quite complicated. Mm. And it was really funny because like, I started like kind of a spiritual journey when I arrived at this rainbow gathering that we spoke about like six years ago. And it led me to live in India for a year and do all of this stuff. And I loved it. And then when I returned back, I always like to balance science and spirituality. And when they meet, to me, that's like fact. If science yeah. and spirituality can agree on the same thing. So I'm studying now in neuro-linguistic programming, which is known as NLP. Yeah. And this is the qualification I'm going to use to be a coach. And the reason I wanted to study NLP was because I wanted to see what, you know, more Western academic philosophy was saying rather than just Eastern mm. philosophy. And I remember being in like the first session of my NLP course. And the guy that started NLP was a guy called John Grinder. Mm. And my coach... Uh, my NLP coach studied with John Grinder. So he was like, right guys, I'm going to give you a piece of information that John Grinder gave me that he said is basically the fundamental thing for any person to like change their state and become better. He was like, this usually costs 10,000 pounds to sit down with this guy. Everyone get your pen, everyone get your paper. I was like, come on, come on. What is it? What is it? And he was like, if you want to change your state, change your breathing (laughs) and I was like for fuck's sake I've just spent years in India learning that I came here (laughs) to learn something else but the and then I was just laughing because I was like it's all the same message whatever way you want to look at it the tools are so simple it's just and we overcomplicate them so much
0: delivers the message people
1: that but also just like it is easier than we think you know like Mm. it's the same thing like if we can learn to control our breathing in whatever way that suits you whether that's through yogic breathing or like pranayama breathing or whether it's just literally like you say two in and out the messages are really clear and they're coming at us from eastern mm. and western philosophies but it's applying them in the moment that's actually going to make the change yeah and that's what i'm learning the more i'm doing this nlp course it's like i'm learning the same stuff they taught me in india and it's beautiful because actually the lessons are the same i thought they were going to be really contrasting yeah. but no like to to change your state Change your body movements, change your breathing, become the observer of what's
0: going on. Yeah,
1: and that's kind of
0: it's mad because I often I often see like NLP coaches and stuff, and I'm like instantly just turned off. But now that you're becoming one, I can see that you're a really nice guy. i like, oh, maybe maybe I'm being a bit harsh. <laughs> well, I these. never knew <laughs> the
1: stigma recently about <laughs> NLP. Like I didn't. I was looking for some kind of academic course cool. so I looked into CBT I looked into all mm. this stuff and my friend told me she trained in NLP and I really respect her and I was like okay I'll give it a go yeah. and it was only I've been doing it a few months now but I heard that yeah it actually has quite a bad reputation which I didn't know about being like quite manipulative I don't know what have you heard I feel about like, it I just feel
0: like it lands in the hands of narcissist sales wow, people wow
1: interesting that's like because yeah I'd, I, I'd when heard I this recently but I had no idea
0: I wanted like I got, got like NLP for done he's never read it because like a he had books at the time, just bought it with good intentions. Yeah. But, like, I just wanted to do it so I could convince people to buy health insurance from me. Wow, <laughs>
1: interesting. I mean, I hope I can get that powerful with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, But, yeah, it's maybe just taught in a different way to how I'm using it. But, I mean, the, the thing I like most about it and about coaching as a whole, the more I'm learning is I'm actually not telling you anything. Like, you have all the answers, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like just by when someone comes at you with, like, a, a negative thing that's going on rather than giving you a solution, just simply asking the question such as, well, what would you like to have happen? Yeah. You know, what
0: do you think you should do?
1: Yeah. Or like, but (laughs) what if you say, if I say to you, what would you like to have happen? It takes you out of this victim mentality of Mm -hmm. like, this is going wrong. This is going wrong. And you have to think, okay, so best case, what do I want? So that means you already know what you actually want, you know, but we're often so stuck in the negative cycle of it and being the victim. Yeah. And it's like, I love this. I learned the other day from them. Like you should never ask why, because if you give me a problem and I say why, you're the Jessica. Then you're going to get deeper into the problem, and you're going to start mm. justifying your problem, and then it will lead me to ask another why. And then you're so deep into it yeah. that you feel like that's your truth. But yeah. if you flip it and, like I say, and ask, well, what would you prefer to happen? Yeah. You're straight out of the problem and into Who the would solution. You be without the problem, all yeah. of these questions, like <laughs>
0: I, I love them because they're so simple, but they're so hard. Like you need it to come from an external source, really. Yeah. Because like when you're, if you sit there. It's like, oh, what would life be like without the problem? It's like, fucking brilliant. Of course it would be a mental <laughs> I know that, but I can't do it.
1: But it's also an external person. And like my partner and my friends get so yeah. mad at me now because they just want to call me to rant about something. And I'm like, what would you like to have happen? They're like, don't fucking NLP me right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> like me and
0: Giles. Because like we've both done loads of therapy. So like we just like monkeys you monkey do with our therapy. <laughs> so whenever someone like has a problem in this household, it's like, oh, so this is this what's going to oh that sounds really difficult mate like we validate the feelings ask them what they think they (laughs) should (laughs) do and then move on and like it's amazing but sometimes it's like mate please just let me moan (laughs) yeah
1: and sometimes you do literally especially with my partner like sometimes she just wants to shout and rage and i'm always trying to like be the solution guy with it and i think that's one thing i'm being sensitive of is like that you often have an expectation that everyone should be like you because you feel like not because you think you're great, but you think their life would be easier. Like I don't we get... do.
0: I think we do think we're great, even if we don't acknowledge that we do it and we sit in self-loathing because we live our lives in the way that we choose to. Mm. We don't go by what other people are doing. Like sometimes we steal little bits from other people's lives. Oh, maybe that's a good idea. But we ultimately think we're right.
1: Yeah. And it will <laughs> because we're only ever looking through like an NLP, they call it your map of the world. Like the way I'm projecting everything the way i see you Mm. the way i see this room this podcast it's all from my map and you're having it from your map because we're only living in our eyes we can't really contextualize that there might be something different yeah and i learned the other day this really nice thing that i've been trying to apply particularly with my partner is like everyone is doing the best they can with the tools they have which yeah. is like, again, it's a bit of an NLP thing, but it's um it's super beautiful because like, again, like when my partner or a friend is like just in this self-loathing or someone in my family and I'm just like, I just can't get it. I'm like, I'm telling you like, it doesn't need to be like this, but actually if they really knew that they wouldn't be doing this, like they're yeah. doing the best they can with what they've got going yeah. on. And that's been so beautiful for me. Like even meeting people in a shop and they're just so angry or yeah. people that are so down about what's going on in the world and I just can't understand it. By applying that message of, yeah, they're doing the best they can with the tools they have. Like they haven't gone on this self-discovery journey like I've been on, not to put myself as a higher power, but they don't maybe know all these things, but you expect they should because you know them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I literally highlighted that on the last page I read of this book. Look, I know you're doing the best you can. It's basically a story about someone that had messed up at work and one of her clients who was like trying to be all compassionate. And it's like, if you say to someone like, oh, you are doing the best you can. It invites them to be like hey, do you know what i really think i am and this is mm. this is actually how i'm feeling about it the book uh, radical compassion by tara brash
1: nice well yeah it makes sense because like for me acceptance and compassion mm. i learned i remember a guy when i was uh, i can't remember what country i was in maybe spain like volunteering at this retreat and this guy and his family owned this beautiful land and he said to me It was like if there's only two rules you should know in life it's acceptance and compassion. And they didn't mean that much to me then, but I remember mm. writing them down because this guy seemed so wise. And that yeah. was like eight years later, I was like, wow, he was so right. Yeah. Like to show compassion rather than anger to anything. Like even the other day, my friends had a bit of an issue with the way I've acted. Yeah. Um, and I didn't necessarily feel like I'd done anything wrong. And my my ego, my initial reaction wanted to be like, oh, but I did this and you did it. Yeah. And I was like, actually, it was about not spending enough time and not reaching out to them enough. And I was like, let's flip this to compassion i was like what they're saying is out of love what they actually want is to spend time with me because they love me but it's so easy to move into that state well you don't call me and i said i was going to do this but i was like let's drop this and let's look through the lens of compassion then it was so easy i was like they're having a go at me but it's all from love all they want to do is spend time with me and like when you can try and stop yourself in the situation and go how how can this be from my compassionate lens People like people can't do anything wrong to you it's amazing yeah yeah
0: (laughs) it's 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 great being like a hippie and (laughs) having that mindset, isn't it, really? I mean, I I don't always see it like that
1: until then everyone goes to me, oh, yeah, you're such a hippie. No, but but I just feel like any (laughs) love,
0: compassion, awareness, acceptance, nurturing, all very like –
1: yeah. But bringing them into like real life context, you know, because you can go too far out with this and it's like, it's not all peace and love. There is loads of shit that's going on,
0: but it's Mm.
1: it's accepting the shit and amongst the shit, how are you still going to crack on and be compassionate? Yeah. And how are
0: you going to have a life and impact the people around you that are important? Exactly.
1: and And I feel like I really try and get this balance of like, this is the whole reason I wanted to do the Instagram stuff because I was like saying a few of these messages That I just learned on my Instagram stories and I was getting so many people be like, that's really helped me. And even last week when I posted this, people are doing the best they can with the tools they have. A woman messaged me that I've had the best day at work today. My colleagues usually get on my nerves, but I applied that and I feel like I can, you know, get on with them better. Or like the other great one that you probably heard is like, um, I haven't got to do it. I get to do it. Yeah. You know, this one. And I remember posting that and like so many messages from people being like, I get to take my kids to school. I have kids. I have a car. There is a school they mm. can go to, you know, I get to do the washing up. I have plates to eat from. I have food. And yeah, that small change. If you just give people these little bit, it can really make a difference. Yeah. It's really beautiful.
0: I love, I love little things like that. And like when people have um, intrusive thoughts or like people predicting the future, like just been like, right. How many times you've been right? Mm. That, oh my God. I've never actually predicted the future ever. I love little nuggets of like that. Um, in that book, The Radical Compassion thing, I know we're talking about um acceptance and all of that, but their thing with any kind of emotion that's uncomfortable, any thought that's uncomfortable, is just to recognise it. Like allow space for it. Like say yes to it and be like, Hey, like I'm I'm okay with you being here. Um, investigate it and be like, Okay, so like why am I feeling that? And then nurture it mm. and I so like show
1: compassion for yourself. Show for compassion for yourself.
0: Having. Yeah. Cause like I'm um, I kind of declared like a state of emergency within Edworld. Okay. And I was like, right, I need to be more compassionate towards myself. Okay. Um And has it have you is there any thought you could share that you've practiced it with? I'm twenty nine pages into it and I'm just like not calling myself a prick as much. <laughs> And that's really, really important because <laughs> yeah. I am so horrible to myself sometimes. Wow, interesting. Why do you I'm, think that is? Oh, mate, who knows? It's one of those things like, oh, I'm getting a free coaching session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, if you were, then I'd be doing this wrong because yeah. I've asked you why, so I'm yeah. going to move you more into the problem. I yeah. should have said, well, what would you
1: like to say to yourself? No, but I'm interested, like, because I... I was running a podcast as well mm. and like all different people from hippies to entrepreneurs, similar to yourself, mm. a wide range of people and someone asked me recently, could you generalize like a message that, e- that people have said and it's to do with, because they're all life stories, right? And mainly the ones that seem to have like achieved loads and come out the other side of what they've done was going back to something that happened to them in childhood mm. and like people speak a lot about this inner child work and all this yeah. stuff and like from myself from doing this stuff recently, bringing that stuff up I'm like, there must be a direct correlation with the way we act now and mm. something the happened when we were a child. And it's not always easy to access that memory. But like, I've had a friend that like, she thought of the most random small memory that happened at her Nana's house that wasn't even a big deal. Mm. But during a therapy session, it was called like RTT. So it was in like some kind of hypnosis. This memory came up and it made sense as to so many of the things she does now. Like there's evident ones yeah. like a parent dying or, you know, your mum losing their house or whatever but sometimes it's these small ones that when you allow yourself to access like someone laughing
0: at you in class or like a friend rejecting you or anything like that yeah
1: someone shouting something to you down the school corridor could have manifested into this way you think so I'm just interested if you ever like delved into possibilities of why you might be
0: horrible to yourself I haven't gone like like the hypnosis thing you just said about there that sounds quite interesting Mm. I'd like I'd I'd be afraid of doing it. But, like, oh, I would I would do it because, like, I appreciate how important these things are. So, like, understand your behaviour is so important. For sure. And it shows, like, a real sign of maturity. To be like, oh, I behave like this. I'm not too happy with it. Let's have a look at it. Mm. Um, I think that's that's really important. Um, I did
1: something recently just to tell you. It sounds a bit weird, but it was really good. I wrote a letter to my child. Like, I wrote mm. a letter. What one did I do first? I wrote a letter to me at, like let's say nine years old and then I wrote a letter back as my nine-year-old self to me. So I can't remember if I actually wrote from my child to me first, but I wrote to myself as a child and back. And it was so interesting again to try and like illuminate maybe some of the stuff that happened in my past And it was so nice because like when I was writing the letter back as me now, it was just this real like, actually, do you know what? I feel like even as a child, I was supporting myself now. I was like, kind of like, well done. Like you've done so well. Like you've nurtured me and whatever happened, you kind of have steered me to this point. And I really felt like I let go and overcome some things that happened just within myself, giving myself these both states and writing to myself. So that's an easy one if anyone wants to do something weird on a Wednesday evening yeah yeah <laughs> right to <left> your <laughs> child and your child write one back but these things they sound crazy but I promise you no that no, no. I yeah. think
0: I think like that's why like the woo-woo actually works it does help people yeah. and it helps people who are skeptics it, it doesn't discriminate who you are mm. it, it'll work if you if you give it a go
1: yeah I think people just like find it weird to be out of their comfort zone yeah and like yeah there's some crazy stuff that my mentor gets me to do like I won't go into but yeah and at first when he asked me to do these exercises with myself and like my body and like all different things I'm a bit like whoa but then you do it and you know you've got resistance because there's shame around things and there's like norm but like you know no one knows what happens behind that closed door like do what you need to do I say
0: yeah for sure I think in a child like it's it's something I have been interested in before and I think I've got a book on it out there I haven't read yet I want (laughs) to yes not shocked that I've got a book on it. A, a book it. on it. At least I think I do. Uh,
1: it's very impressive. You know exactly where to reclaiming. go to get the books that you need. <laughs> it's, all, it's all colour coded. I love the colour coding. It looks very Homecoming
0: smart. by John Bradshaw Reclaiming oh, and John championing John Bradshaw, that rings a bell. Your Inner Child. There you go. Put it on oh, the that list. It means I'm going to have to read it soon as <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> no, but it, it's
1: serious stuff. Like yeah.
0: Um, very, very interesting. But you think that's that's really helped you sort of come into yourself?
1: I think so. It's still something I'm working with. I remember when I was in India and we used to do this like three hour, we had three hours a day in the ashram of something called pranayama. So you'd do this kind of breathing that would bring you into like some kind of hypnosis state and Mm. you're just lying there and the guru guy would be like saying stuff to you. Yeah. And I remember then something coming up of the example i gave of three guys in the year above shouting something to me in the corridor at high school when i was in year seven which i did not remember in my conscious but was clearly stored somewhere in my subconscious for about 12 years yeah and just by that coming to me like contextualized a lot of some of the things i feel about myself yeah and then was able to let go of them so it's like getting into these deep states and bringing it up yeah definitely has has helped
0: there's a reason why it's in films like, you know, in films where they have like little flashbacks. <laughs> I love of, like, that that's your like <laughs> rationale. It's in a movie. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I, I start to recognize this stuff. It's like, okay, so they've put that in a film. Like, maybe that's because fucking everyone experiences it. Yeah. And it is a really normal thing, but no one talks about the fact that someone said something to them when they were in like year five mm. or like in year nine or whatever when they were younger. And it's, it's just done something to childhood, like in your adulthood. One thing I would ask is how do you feel about having kids? Now that you know, like Very all of this stuff. Poignant question.
1: Um, <laughs> it's an often I've been topic commissioned of conversation. Yeah, my partner's good, yeah. hasn't she? <laughs> so I've always been of the standpoint. Even when I was really young, and my friend who I've known for like twenty years said, "I remember you saying that when you were really young." I've I've always been like, I don't not want kids, but mm. I don't. Want kids? Like I've never been someone that's like I need kids. It's like yeah. if it happens, it happens. I mean, there's so many layers to this, and I know my mum's probably listening to this as well. But like <laughs> she knows the drill. It's a tough one. Like in for an ego point of view, I would love children because I'd love to try and have that experience as a father. Yeah. Try and like scope a child to see the world in a good way, etc. But one that has a lot of pressure that the child and expectation is going to be a certain way, which you yeah. can't predict from like a world point of view. i mean it just doesn't seem like a particularly smart move like i'm so it's like even talking about sustainability like we don't need any more people firstly so like i'd be having it purely for selfish reasons realistically and just the stuff they're gonna have to endure it feels sometimes i see it as almost cruel to produce another person that they're gonna have to like deal through all this like you know when i've had these intrusive thoughts before i'm like you know, you can go through this phase of like, what's the point? Like, what is the point of any of this? You know, and Uh, like, I've been in the exercise philosophy. (laughs) Well, I've had, I used to deal terribly with existential anxiety, which is like, you know, this realization that I'm on a spinning ball in the middle of nothing. And you're telling me to like go and work in an office and like what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And, like I could wake up in the mornings and like have my hands on my bed and like I know I'm on a bed, but I realise that bed is on this ball in nothingness. <laughs> and like this again, this is an intrusive yeah. thoughts. And I now that's kind of what led me into spirituality actually, because the impermanence of life can either be really scary or really beautiful. And now it's like, that's what led me to seeing life more as a game. Like I knew I was never going to be employed by someone. I knew I was going to travel the world and do all this crazy hitchhiking stuff. And we joined a circus and we lived in community and now we live on a boat and we kind of sail through life respectfully doing our thing Mm -hmm. because like after going through these kind of um, existential experiences, you're either going to like go crazy or you're going to like not be able to live in society and thankfully mine went the other way and i do live a very happy life yeah but um yeah when when i go through things like that i'm like do i want to enjoy that on another person yeah like another on a child but yeah i don't know i think i will have children because my partner definitely wants them and i think I think I will enjoy the experience, but I'm certainly in no rush. Yeah. And I want the world to try and like chill for a minute. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which it doesn't seem to be doing. Everybody just please calm down. (laughs) That's what I feel like. Like if there is a God or a higher power, like someone needs to pop from the sky and be like, like, Tesco bags. chill out for a minute. What's your take on having children?
0: I like more recently I've been like, I don't really know if I should. Because? Because I'm like, could I support and give enough love to something outside of myself mm. like if I have this propensity to feel sad and I'm like I would need to not completely overcome like any mental health issues because I don't think that's possible mm. maybe it is maybe that's a negative sort of outlook on it but no, but no I think that's a fair comment natural sort of trials and tribulations of life yeah. but at what point then are you ready or is anyone ever ready and then i start thinking about that and i'm like well i can't be ready i'm like sometimes i don't even want to get up and like i get up but like imagine if there was like a baby crying next door i'm like guys i am trying to meditate here
1: (laughs) well that's it's the lack of especially for our generation if you look back to when people were having children a lot younger there wasn't as much to do like we're the but it's true we're the age of the internet like people didn't used to go traveling for fun people didn't used to go and like do all these like things, whatever you're going to do. Listen yeah. to a podcast, go to the gym. I don't know, whatever we yeah. create in society, there wasn't as much to do. So we're in our sport for choice with consumerism, yeah. anyway.
0: Dogs and it's we like as cute.
1: exactly. <laughs> I've got a dog. That's like being a dad anyway. Yeah, yeah. But what about your but partner? That. Does she get <laughs> way better? I said to my partner <laughs> was like, should we have a kid? I was like, I'll give you three more dogs. <laughs> <laughs> As a swap, as a swap, but she loves dogs. She's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. That's good. You're right. What about? But your partner,
0: you don't I have can't have, to have, have that conversation just yet, and like, it wouldn't be wise because I'll come off really negative about it. When yeah. in two weeks, my mind can change. change. And there's one that sometimes I'm, I'm afraid to speak in general in life, just because I'm aware of just how much we change. Mm. And I think especially when you go down, like when you like, read a load of books, the new idea, I attach to it every single week. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this is the way life is. And I read another book, I'm like, well, okay, oh, I was wrong there. Yeah. And I, I'm i just continually changing as a human being. I'm like, I don't even trust myself to make decisions anymore. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know what I'm putting in this yeah. sandwich. Might, by the time I
1: finish the sandwich, I'm going to want something else. People but you too. can actually caveat that because that really reminded me of, so I'm marrying my, uh, fiancé yeah. in april and we've started wedding planning and the other day we sat down to like try and think what we'd do for um what you call it a table plan yeah and i started the conversation by going right i'm gonna say something to you but I have no idea if what I'm saying is true or I believe it yes because stuff like that all the because time. I've never and this was in the form of a wedding plan but now I'm going to use this more in my life because I'm now basically just going to word vomit whatever's in my head yeah but don't be don't agree or disagree be angry or happy because in two minutes you might say something and it might spark a completely different thought yeah and it really got me thinking like how cool to actually because often we get this uh, problem that we're the knower that uh, we know yeah. you know and it's like something I say often as well the guy who I in India for me one of the wisest men I've ever met like Mm. the guru there I owe so much to him but he would start the beginning of every lecture and say just so everybody knows I know nothing and the more you think you know the less you know and that ran so true for me because this guy has studied for years academically spiritually but when you become the knower you've lost the uh, opportunity to learn essentially or be open you lose a a certain openness so i was like how about even anything i say to people which i try and do a bit anyway is like i'm not saying what i'm saying i actually believe but here's an idea and it can spark much healthier debates and conversations because there's no like no but i think this and i think this because like you say we don't often tell ourselves well, i might change my mind in two minutes yeah and i love that concept and it and does it make would, it yeah. hard
0: though to like step into your masculine and be like pragmatic with like your beliefs be assertive because it's like yeah believe me guys i know what i'm talking about mm. it, actually i don't i don't have fun clue yeah Sorry everyone <laughs> but
1: i'm so put off by people when they like say to me well i know that blah blah oh, blah clean. or like yeah or i'm mind. telling you to, or you, when people say to me like you shouldn't or something like this and i'm like you're really triggering me right now yeah. because you're coming from a place as the Noah and as But, then, someone.
0: but yeah, here's where it gets tricky. It's like, but then we'd think we know better than them for yeah. knowing. It's such a paradox. So I oh. know
1: that you shouldn't know. Yeah. So like where where am I in this? Yeah. But yeah, this is this is the beauty of this kind of work though. It's endless, it's yeah. timeless. And like I've probably if when I listen to this back, I probably said loads of things that make me seem like the Noah. I'm just going to caveat that everything I've said is an illusion. Yeah. and
0: Also, like, just in case I haven't said this enough recently, guys, I haven't got a fucking clue what yeah, I'm doing or what, do. about, what I'm going on about. What are just, we actually doing right now? Oh, let's, let's turn it off. Um, yeah, I, I often think like someone will say to me, oh my God, you said this in your podcast. Like, I was like, did I? Mm. Like, I would never go up to someone and say, oh, by the way, on the 14th February last year in the office, you said this. Mm. Do you still believe that? And that is a danger of putting stuff online because yeah. there are it's people that try, timeless. People try and like hold you accountable for shit that you've said, like, a year ago. It's like, yeah, but I'm a different person. Sorry I said that, but cheers. Like, Yeah, please and stop. I think this <laughs> is the beauty of
1: saying that you're not the knower because I could say something now and walk out this door, have a conversation with someone and disbelieve
0: yeah. some of the things I used to think. You could be cornered by a Scientologist. Like, exactly. You're as convinced. soon as you step out the door and then that's it, you're the new Tom Cruise.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that's what I've been looking to do. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy world.
0: It is. <laughs> it is. It's, well, not that we would know. No. So, um, <laughs> let's, right. One thing you've said that I am really, really interested in and then okay. we'll, I'll ask you about a couple of books. Cool. Circus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? So that was a crazy
1: story in itself. But my partner Lauren she's um, a hula hooper Mm. so she does like hula hoop performing fire performing stuff like that yeah and we were where were we we were in Slovenia at a hula hoop convention as you do yeah of course I didn't know that hula hoop conventions exist but (laughs) hooping is like a whole world and within it there's like celebrities of hooping and like it's it's insane mad and we were at this convention. I was doing a bit of filming there and Lauren was just participating in the convention. At the end of it, a woman from Croatia was like, if anyone, this was the beauty of traveling so freely, we had no plan. So we're on this like mountain in Slovenia and this woman was like, oh, we own a circus in Croatia. Half of us are Croatian, half of us are Serbian and traditionally, historically, they're at war. Yeah. Um, and they were like, we come together, we're called Circle Balkana and we created an integrated Croatian-Serbian circus. Got a massive circus tent. We're gonna be setting it up in Croatia and said to Lauren and I, Do you want to come along and join the circus? And we were like, Yeah, I've got no other plans, let's do it. <laughs> so we hitchhiked from Slovenia to Serbia, which was another crazy story because it that was the longest hitch ride we'd ever waited. We were at a gas station on the border of Slovenia for nine hours, and literally this is the beauty of surrendering. We learned this lesson so many times that sometimes I would wear hitchhiking just down on the side of the road. If you got really desperate, you'd maybe go into a gas station and learn in the local language, like, oh, excuse me, which direction are you going in? Could you take me like 20 miles that way, for example? Mm-hmm. All day, not many people, no one was really speaking to us, nothing going on. And um, it got to, I think, 10 p.m., and it was like pitch black. And this guy rocks up and I said to him like, oh, we were trying to get to Croatia because that's over the yeah. border, but we actually wanted to get to Serbia. But by this point, I was like, Croatia will do. Yeah. And I was like, where are you going? And he said, and I said, I'm going to Croatia, blah, blah. blah. And he was like, oh, I can't take you. Fine. i was like to Lauren. Let's set up the tent. So we walked with our bags just to next to the gas station to put up our tent to just wild camp overnight. Yeah. As I was getting the tent out, this guy, same guy walked back to me and he went, where do you want to go? And I was like, where are you going? He was like, I'm actually going to Serbia, to Belgrade. And I was like, that's actually where we're looking to go. He was like, get in the car. And he drove us all the way through Croatia, through Serbia. We got there at like three or 4 a.m had to find our way to this circus site that was like on some strange like abandoned lander just remember hearing street dogs like yelling and we had to like find somewhere to put up our tent we had not really met any of these people either woke up the next morning (laughs) (laughs) this is even like a tame story compared to some of the other crazy hitchhiking stories um yeah woke up to this beautiful circus community and they would do different like shows and we would help with like the maintenance and Lauren would do a bit of hooping and they had different performing arts coming in and we spent three weeks with them there. And then they were like, we really like you guys. We're now going to pack down the tent and drive over to Zagreb in Croatia and do it all again. We were like, yeah, let's do it. So we spent like four, or six weeks living with the circus family. They're
0: amazing were people. Were speaking Croatian or?
1: No, like most of them spoke English. Like we learned the, like, some basics like when's dinner and (laughs) stuff (laughs) like that but also like you you don't realize how maybe you do but how privileged you are to speak english like even hitchhiking i think we crossed like 26 countries and like just by speaking english you have such an advantage um turkish i learned the basics spanish i knew a bit already my partner knew a bit of french so between us but hand signals like Travelling through Turkey or Bulgaria and just like having mm. connections with people with no language, just like asking if you can put a song on and they might know the song and you're singing together or the amount yeah. of times we got taken back to families' homes from the hitchhike rides and none of them spoke English, but we'd have dinner and we'd stay over the night and just have this beautiful exchange and you don't really need words.
0: Yeah, that's mad. What was it Mo no, said the other day to me? It was like uh, like the the language of the world is love.
1: Yeah, too right. I never told you I liked
0: him. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he gets me, but it's so
1: true. And it's this like people used to to say to us like, "Well, aren't you scared? Like, you're you're trusting this complete stranger." I'm like, "Yeah, but so are they. Like, they don't know us. Like, we're the weirdos on the side of the road with these backpacks. Like, we could be just as dangerous as them." I think also one rule about hitchhiking I say to people is like, your gut and intuition can tell you a lot, and particularly when you're traveling, you are you don't really have many responsibilities I found. I was so much more tuned in to my body, to my intuition, to like synchronistic flow of the universe again without sounding too woo, woo but like mm. manifestation and law of attraction became so prevalent in my life that it felt like a game and like we could literally say things and they would happen. Yeah. And I've got this belief that like, we're so distracted in our conditioned day to day life that we don't have the opportunity to be that tapped in. Cause I've sometimes yeah. I feel like I lose it. And then when I go back into that state, I can find it again. And, mm. um, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, just yeah, people are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I people are great. I love I, humans.
0: It's interesting because, I like, honestly, I'm such a negative arsehole sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I think people we need are people such people, like, pricks. You know. Yeah, like, I'm here to just balance out. Do you sure you believe are that? Because sure? like. Yeah. Wanker, <laughs> yeah,
1: but I also love being challenged on my beliefs, and you know, my reality and your reality they're yeah. both real, but they're well, like you say really about law of attraction,
0: ways. you're like, oh, I could say stuff and it would happen, but like, well, what about fucking world peace? Didn't think of that, did you at the time? Yeah, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't. there's so
1: many layers to it. One story I love to tell is like when I finished at this rainbow gathering, I hadn't spoke to my partner Lauren. Mm. This is kind of a nice full circle because she'd gone to be an au pair in France, oh, yeah, and um, she'd been living with a lovely but quite like normal family taking the kids to school every day, Mm -hmm. like making their dinner, going to French classes. And I hadn't spoke to her because I didn't have the phone. And over this month, by the way, like- Wait, so you shared one phone or something? No, no, no. Uh, But I'd been in the rainbow gathering, so I had my phone off. of course. And I, um, it changed my whole life. Like I I changed completely in that month more than I've ever changed ever. And when I left, I hitchhiked back to Paris to meet her and got to her door and she opened the door and she looked at me in the eyes and she went to me like, you're different first thing she said and I was like Mm. I know and we had to do this whole relearning because I was a completely new person and I remember we went for a walk in the forest near where she was staying with this family and I was trying to explain to her about like I'd never heard before of law of attraction synchronicity manifestation Mm. and I'd learned it all at the rainbow gathering and we were walking in this river stream and there was this dragonfly like hovering above And I said to her, it's like if I look at this dragonfly with enough intention and belief and ask it to land in the palm of my hand, it just will. And I shit you not, it literally just goes I love it. I love it. And then she looked at me and went, what the fuck? I went, I know. And I was like, I don't know what to do about it. It's amazing and scary at the same time. But it's like, I have hundreds of stories like this, but when i'm not in that flow state of having which is so hard to be in your day-to-day life Mm. it's so easy i trick myself into thinking oh you were just like a hippie back then yeah but then i can refind it again and the magic is alive and
0: everything just starts flowing like yeah on that note then why like if it's if it's little things like that why does it stop at things that are potentially selfish
1: what do you mean? Sir? Like oh, okay. when, with, so with like on a grander scale. Like,
0: because like I see it all the time and there's not many blokes who talk about manifestation mm. and there'll be some people that talk about manifestation who'll be like masculine energy. Like, if you just fucking write it down and work at it, you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're Northern. Because they're, they're way more <laughs> manly than, yeah. <laughs> than me. I'm, I'm, I'm very themselves. impressed. You seem very manly right now. <laughs> 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 but like it's it's very like masculine, then there's the girl side of it, and they're like, I do this manifesting, and I've got these crystals, and I bring all this stuff into my life, it's like, what why? Like, surely, because people who like believe in manifesting generally are good people. Mm. Like, can't you just give that to someone? Mm. Like, can't you manifest like the people who have just been shipped over from Afghanistan to have a nice time?
1: Mm.
0: And it's like, where, where, like the people who wrote the Secret, if they believe in it so much, why the fuck have they not printed twenty million copies and translated it into millions of different languages and just given it to people who mm. are in terribly impoverished positions? Like, that's. That's the issue I take. It's the
1: realist approach, and I'm here for it and I'm believing in it as well. I think there's so many layers you can go into. It's like what we see as like trauma going on in the world from our like, this is good, this is bad Mm. point of view, maybe isn't always seen on the other side. So, like, one of the ways I like to flip it is like some of the happiest people I've met are people that we'd consider to be in deep destructive poverty. So like we stayed in this gypsy camp in Rajasthan in India with this group of people that have no home. They're of the lowest social class. I don't know if you know how the caste system works in India, but it means like they, even if they have a coffee shop, like Indian people that are in the caste above aren't allowed to buy their coffee. So like they have no chance, basically. So we'd see this as so unjust and unfair. Yeah. They, for me, genuinely were the most authentically happy people I've ever met and taught me so much stuff. So I think one side of it is this projecting what we say is happy and not happy because yeah. you might find a lot of these people in these third world countries actually have a lot easier mindset and meditative state than us because yeah. we're so bombarded with everything so that's one side of it stuff. is us like projecting that. that like let's save them it's like well, who are yeah. we to say they need saving you know i mean white hero <laughs> yeah afghanistan thing okay obviously that is terrible and i don't have answers for this and i'm not even saying that like manifestation the law of attraction is scientifically true mm. i'm just all i can do is speak from my from experiential science. Yeah, yeah and um and i
0: love it because i think i'd be so much happier if i believed that yeah I just but can't. also there are
1: science <laughs> to back it up it's like you've got the ras which is your reticular activating system so it's like if you only think about wanting a red car you'll start noticing all the red cars that are around yeah, yeah so yeah. once it's in your like we get i think 11 million bits of information a second or a minute yeah. and we generalize delete and distort all of them to allow the same patterns to enter our brain, right? So, if we then start focusing that on something completely different, if scientifically we can manifest things because we are actively putting that into our brain, like compassion, I'm telling it, telling it, telling it. All yeah. of a sudden, I'm really compassionate and I'm coming across compassionate people and compassion workshops yeah. and compassion podcasts because I've actually in, instilled it into my RAS. Yeah. So, in that respect, you can see again, it's on a selfish level, but how people bring these things into their life yeah. but yeah like i said it is a form of spiritual bypassing and it is a form of wellness becoming mainstream like i try and stay very kind of balanced between like i say science and spirituality i'm not someone that sits there with like 500 crystals and candles not that there's anything yeah. against that no, no, and no, saying I've you know because they look do pretty. this and do that i mean my <laughs> whole job is working with natural stones and crystals yeah. granted not on a metaphysical level but yeah. more of a uh, jewelry level but but yeah i completely see your point why aren't we doing that but then you could look into like karmic layers and people that believe this cycle of the world yeah. is happening for a reason and there's, there's it goes so, so deep it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not black and white but the one i like to say is this is yeah don't don't feel like you these people need saving because you've been told they yeah. need saving because they could be happier and more straight yeah. than you
0: oh they're probably way better <laughs> like you, you like, go you
1: live out in the desert or wherever we've been in yeah. like and you see these people that be like oh like they live in a heart you know like yes they live in a heart and they get up and yeah. they sing and they make their clothes and they yeah. live in community and the way they interact with each other is so beautiful when there's a conflict they have a way to deal with it between them yeah that be envious sometimes you know not always like the the 100%. messiah complex
0: when when i like lived in Bali like i'd see like a girl like taking a shit on the street like it just in, in <laughs> the street, the makes it. And, and, and like they'd be in this like corrugated iron like hut and i'd walk past like with my little dog and i'd see like they had puppies and they had a fire going all the time they had like a whole family there mm. so, like their values were like being fulfilled so like they were happy but i wanted to be there and like just thrust money at them like yeah. hey hope this makes anything better yeah and it's like it, it probably wouldn't like sure it might be able to feed them for a while and take It's some your projection of, of like money equals
1: success and happiness because yeah. that's how we're brought up i'm the same like yeah. i'm saying this because i need to hear it also like yeah when you're brought up in england particularly you're in a capitalist world you know yeah. we are all conditioned creatures products of our environment so yeah. there's a book i read recently friends of mine they um they're film photographers And they also live on a boat with their two Mm. children. They're amazing. They're called An An Uneasy Paradise, if anyone wants to look them up. And they worked on this book for 10 years because they take all of the photos on their film camera and they've got a little darkroom in their narrow boat. And because it needs to be at a certain temperature, like if it goes to, like they take their shots in the winter, but they won't see those shots till spring because they need to develop. So if it gets to spring and they hadn't got the right shot, they'd have to wait again. But they travelled for many years, they're a bit older than Lauren and I in India and they saw the change and they speak about it in the book of when like they started to get TVs and offered bank mm. loans and everyone started to get motorbikes and they started to stop eating from banana leaves and put things in plastic and they spent years and years in India and they were there during this change where we were trying to show them the better way yeah. and you now see, I, I wish I could have seen India back then, because don't get me wrong, it was an ama- it's an amazing country. Yeah. But they were sold this false belief that we believe makes you happy. Like when they got T V yeah. they started to like turn against each other more. They started to be shown the white Western dream, you know? And it's yeah. like we 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 instill this stuff in people because we feel like it's the right way, but it's actually just we our way. <laughs>
0: It's so tough, mm, it's <laughs> so, so tough. tough being
1: white, <laughs> I know. But it, I think it's so good to recognize your white privilege as well. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. Some, even me to sit here and talk about the fact I live on a boat and do all yeah. of this, like I'm so great, la, la, yeah. la. it's such a privilege, you know, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. can't be ignored.
0: But also, like, fuck it, cause it's just your life, what are you can yeah, do yeah, about but it, yeah, that's <laughs> all I can do. So yeah. I know no other way, yeah. Oh, mate, I. I'm really enjoying chatting to you. I you think like this, this is amazing. <laughs> um, let's talk about some books now. Aaron and five in. We've spoken about The Power Now a little yeah. bit. Um, and a tiny bit of a couple of books I've pulled off my bookshelf. Um, obviously, The Power Now has had like an impact in your life. Like Massively, kind of yeah. Hugely. Yeah. What else would you say has sort of...
1: About the power of now, or other.
0: other books. Well, you can talk about the power of now if you've got stuff to say about it, or if if you know, there's other books. Yeah. That the have power helped of
1: you. now was a really interesting one because I'd read it a few years before reading it, and read the first few pages and was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, this guy yeah, is on yeah. crack. Like, it was so woo-woo to me. Like, someone had recommended it. I was like, This does not resonate. This is weird. Yeah. Um, and it was just in the spare room at my mum's house on the bookshelf, and part of mine and Lawrence travels. I suffered again with quite bad intrusive thoughts and i decided to come back to england for a little bit to try and like again re, regain yeah. control of my mind and i was sitting in the spare room at my mum's house and i seen the book and the southern was like pick it up again and i picked it up and the first chapter and the first page is called you are not your mind yeah and i was like whoa <laughs> and just that sentence spoke to me so deeply and what led yeah. me on everything we spoke about today is seeing the mind is not me yeah. and just reading those words i was like oh my god i'm not my mind
0: if there's any place for a for an epiphany it's your mum's spare bedroom oh, 100%
1: <laughs> and it was it just yes yeah, so and that and then i read the whole book and it meant so much to me mm. and from there like i don't know i like kind of novels that have a deeper meaning like the alchemist and things yeah. like this books to teach you like that um often yeah more mindset books is stuff i go mm. to how to you can heal your own life by louise hay it was another really nice okay. one i've read um and books by friends like the, these guys in uneasy paradise that i've just finished reading recently which is a mixture of their life on the canal their belief in community i like real stories from real yeah. people you know and i feel like that's i, I just love like i say anthropology and hearing yeah. hearing people's stories
0: i think you would like educated by tara westover Um, you're
1: definitely way more of a a book buff than me you've uh, got a lot to teach me I've
0: got got a lot of them it became my life do you have a
1: monumental book that changed your life or that you'd normally recommend? I
0: can't nowadays because there's so many I could read a book one week and hate it and I could read a book, that exact same book three months later and need to read it Mm. and get so much more from it and absolutely love it and it could be like be my favourite because mm. I'm such a whore for the books mm. like it changes week on week books that have like really helped me like Lost Connections um, Johan Hari Chasing the Screen by Johan Hari just he's seemed, just great isn't he he's Johann just incredible I can't remember which he podcast I heard him on he put two kisses on an email to me the other day which is like wow. the best <laughs> moment of my life yeah, <laughs> how many did you send back like 1700 <laughs> <laughs> and, and an Amazon voucher for 300 pounds <laughs> no I didn't you're trying to get him he, on the board he, I'm trying to I, I think I should get him on in December. Amazing. Um, and I, like like first, I'll 100 paying him if if if, if, if he, he needs see, it. Yeah. I think um, I
1: heard him on. He did a pod. Was it Jay Shetty's?
0: Jay Shetty or Stephen Bartlett. or Stephen Bartlett? Yeah. So
1: that's who I heard him on. That was just amazing.
0: He's just so intelligent and he's just got so much to offer. And Chasing the Scream is his book about like addiction mm-hmm. and about drugs, and it's just like it. He spoke
1: about the study about rats. Yeah, when, the rat yeah, park. Amazing. Which is incredible. Mm. Um, He's yes. another one though, like he's traveled, like not saying that like traveling is yeah. good, but he's seen firsthand and been in these communities and worked with people directly yeah. to make sense of some stuff. Yeah, And like, I feel like it does allow you to become a lot more compassionate and understanding of all these cultures. Yeah. So I remember coming back and starting to feel like some of my family were quite racist because like I'd said I'd been in Turkey. I said I'd been in Romania. And like some of the stuff they come out with was just so shocking to me. Yeah. But then showing compassion that that's just what they've been fed. And that's all they know and they're older and they just don't really, yeah, they don't, they're not trying to be horrible about people individually. But when you actually go out to the world and see this stuff firsthand, you can come up with some of these brilliant kind of revelations about it because you see that there's more than just one way. Yeah, I suppose
0: it just wipes the stereotype.
1: Yeah. And it's so, like, cliche to be like, well, just travel, like, you know, find yourself, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it it really worked.
0: (laughs) I haven't spoken to many people that have been traveling, have hated it, and have come back a prick. Mm. Like, I don't, there probably will be some people out there like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't go away for long enough for the transformation. That Um, that really hurt my feelings. (laughs) No, I don't really. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't really know many people that go away, see a different world, and think... Well, fuck them all! Like yeah, it's that, so that just doesn't. And it tend strips to happen. you
1: back because when you're in your home ground, you've got all of these connotations about yourself. Everyone sees you as a certain way. Like you are someone in your local community, mm. even if it's that's not someone big. Like you're known yeah. in your local shop by your family, by people up the street. You go and you're just immersed into whatever is going to be thrown at you. Yeah. For me, that was like I used used to love like hitchhiking. They'd drop you somewhere that wasn't as far as your destination. Be in this random town, and you're just like. Now, what? And you just like things just happen, you know, and you just have interactions with people. Like, I miss that so much.
0: That's mad. Did you used to like, did you have like a proper phone or did you take like a Nokia kind of thing?
1: No, we, I think we, no, we had a phone. We had yeah. a phone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was good to know like the maps of where you were going and directions because yeah. that like, there'd be a few sketchy times where like you'd want to be going one way and you're like, why is the car actually taking us that way? Oh, but like everything, everything was safe. Like everyone's always like, did you have any bad experiences? Like a couple of like shady things, but way more over-the-top good experiences like one I always yeah. like to tell this we were in France and a woman picked us up in her van and we were she was driving us like four hours down to Lyon and when we got to Lyon we said to her how like oh we don't really like big cities and she was like I live in a small town called Chambary which is just south of Lyon. I can take you near there you can camp there's loads of countryside that's like brilliant. When we got closer she was like Do you know what I'm actually driving to Switzerland If you want, I can just drop you at my apartment in Shambhali with the keys and I'm gone for two weeks or stay as long as you want. And if you leave before, just like give the key to the neighbour. And she just met us from picking us up from the side of the road. And people look at me like this when you say that. But it's so when you have this, like I say, surrender and openness to people like we had to her, you just build this true human connection, you know. And it's something that I long for still now, like Being on the boat, I love it. But getting a bit lost in this kind of social media connection world. Like this today, like coming here and actually being with you. Yeah. It's so much, like it's tenfold nicer than just
0: like... What if we did it on Zoom? Exactly. Fuck that. But it's like being with
1: people, like you say, this is is a form of community, you know, it's your podcast community and it builds these true authentic connections. Yeah. And I think they're so integral.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And to like, to take the little lessons that we will have taken from each other today is... We wouldn't have got that if it was Mm. done through a computer screen. 100%. Because it's not real. It's pixelated. It's just more fucking pixels. And and this is where suck. I start
1: promoting my Instagram live podcast. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's true. Like I, I used to only, for my podcast, I'd only get people over to the boat yeah. for the same reason. But now as it's gone on, I don't know why, but like I've started to do more things on live. Yeah. And I enjoy it. But I, yeah, I will say it's not yeah. the same. You don't meet them before. You don't have your cup of tea. You don't like see their environment. It, it is different. It's yeah. a different experience.
0: Would you take something off of live and put it onto? like more of a, a platform
1: like... Yeah, that well, place. I did and I was and the concept was people would have to come to the boat to be on the podcast, which mm. was great because there'd be a whole day of it. They'd come in the morning, Lauren and I would make them lunch. Yeah, We'd walk around a bit the canals, then we'd sit down, have an intentional hour conversation and then either would drop them back at the station or they'd go. Yeah. What I was finding was because it was during the pandemic, et cetera, I was like becoming more limited on who I could get and there was some like bigger people I wanted that have really busy schedules so they can't necessarily on a Wednesday... Get yeah. a train to the middle of the Oxfordshire countryside to spend a day with a guy they don't really know. Yeah. But they could do an Instagram live on a Wednesday evening kind of thing. So I was yeah. like, it's finding this balance with what I want to do with it, really. But
0: I definitely unsolicited advice time. Like, I'd, I'd pursue it because you've got a, a lot that you should have on a permanent format. Mm, that's you. like with your own RSS feed, potentially through your own like website, because Instagram might just go bust. True. And if you like, you want these things eternalized, and you're a wise guy and I think it's important that the message is is spread in that way. That's so I think a lot of people who will probably romanticise your life and your lifestyle but won't have like the courage to do it but will want to take little bits of yeah, your Yeah, and philosophy. that's the beauty of yeah. it. It's
1: like I tell everyone they can create their own reality and that doesn't mean you should all go live on a boat, live naked no. in a forest. It's whatever suits you. Yeah. Because like, again, I say like, I'm nothing special, like... I've not mm. been given any money. I I'm not on, like, got no inheritance. Like yeah. My dad left me 30 quid. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've not been spoon fed anything. We've just had this belief that if we want to make our life work in the way we want to, then we yeah. will. And that anyone can have. You know, it's just yeah. a belief system. There's nothing special about me. Yeah. So that's both humbling and beautiful because it means anyone can do the same.
0: Yeah. And then the, I would actually say, argue that there is something special about you in that way. Thank you. in that you' have you've done it you've, <laughs> yeah. you've done but it's nothing that, that I feel
1: is unachievable for anyone it's a mindset yeah. it all loops back to mindset and like yeah. what you are projecting and what you are honing in in yourself is what yeah. you will create
0: yes. all right one last book and then we'll we'll wrap it up
1: I guess it's a really obvious one, but The Secret I did really enjoy. Did you? Oh no. <laughs> I think just because I was thinking about like one of the first books I ever read and it was so many years ago. And I guess it was just like an invitation, a soft invitation yeah, yeah. into this world. So it's like, to be honest, I now recommend People the Power of Now more than The Secret. Yeah, But I feel like you're quite anti The Secret. So. <laughs> no, I'm, I've I'm. not read it. Interesting. But, but you've got connotations to I've, it.
0: Like I've just, I've, I think I should read it for to be like anti my confirmation bias mm. to to think critically about yeah. it as opposed to just like oh I think it's shit mm. just because I think it's shit yeah um but I do that with a lot of things like women don't Know you pretty by Florence Given like oh, I've, I've heard that I've really got good. that I also know that she was heavily criticised for taking a lot of the ideas from. Like a black feminist who was releasing a book at the same time, and okay. she, being white feminist, just got her well. stuff out there more. I want to read that because I want to understand it a little bit more. Mm. Not that I'm anti-feminist; like I'm literally the opposite of that. I think sexism is a very bad thing, and mm. oppression is very bad. Um, and that the patriarchy fucking sucks, and <laughs> it's the reason why I feel so guilty for being sad, or like reason I'd feel guilt for crying, like. I want to understand this stuff, but um, basically I'm not going to read the secret anytime soon. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't it. I also feel like
1: you don't not, you don't need to, but like it's yeah. such a stepping stone that you probably progress past that. Yeah. I think it just holds a special place in my heart. Cause I read it the like timing at school or something and like, and it was like, it didn't change me then, but I can look back now and be like, okay, like yeah. that was a real stepping stone into like what you're doing now.
0: planted a seed yeah. for, to like everything's a lesson, yeah. you know? So Amazing. All right. Well, where can people find you? apart from obviously some canal in Oxford (laughs) uh they
1: can find me mainly on Instagram my handle is adam.floatinghome and um yeah I've got the floating home podcast where you can get the link in my bio on Instagram there's two series that I did record in this kind of format but I just haven't done it for a while and um yeah that's that's me and also if like you want to talk about anything I've done always feel free to message me and
0: yeah he's a nice guy he's a good guy
1: <laughs> likewise i feel like more collaborations can come from us
0: yeah a hundred percent mate thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure thank and thank you so much yeah I'm, I'm buzzing to have had you here likewise well thank you so much for listening to that podcast you absolute legends hopefully you enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed recording it adam is a extremely interesting person and I've never spoken to anyone with those kind of life stories so it's very good for me too. So thank you for listening and making it possible that I get to have these amazing conversations. I'll be back in full swing very, very soon. Uh, Back to two episodes a week but for now it is just this one. Coming up next is an episode with Lucy Davis. Um, She's a personal trainer. She's also a legend and that is coming next week. So please make sure you like and subscribe and if you feel extra generous leave a review on apple podcast um, or share it with a friend or family member but as always if you need therapy the links in the bio if you want to get your brain care sorted get some multivitamins in and make sure that your sleep and anxiety are better than they are currently head to heights use code need to read for 10 percent off any subscription there but that's it from me love you all goodbye